Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Uh, I'm Dave Fensom and I want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's been getting in contact with us this week over our various social media. Seems like people have been really enjoying the Prince episode. Uh, still stuff coming in about the Elton John episode as well. Uh, massive thank you as well to Bert from Hertfordshire who took the time out of his day to send us a really lovely email. Really kind of warms the heart to get those. Also guys, thank you so much for the reviews you're putting on iTunes. If you're listening to this, you haven't put a review on iTunes. If you're listening through Apple at all, please do so. It just helps us stay up on that new and noteworthy. And we're finding uh, new listeners all the time. Obviously, the more listeners we get, the more likely it is we can continue doing this. Uh, And we really do love doing it. I hope that comes across in the episodes. This week, we're talking about George Michael's album, Listen Without Prejudice. And we try and listen without any prejudice. I mean, we do have some prejudice. We kind of think that George Michael's quite a good guy. But do we like this record? Have a listen and find out. This episode, as always, is sponsored by On The Edge Comedy. On The Edge Comedy is Brighton's best new act, new material night, taking place on the first and third Fridays of every month. We had a really great busy one last Friday with a fantastic Josh Dillon headlining. And next uh, show is selling really, really quickly. So please do check our social media, On The Edge Comedy at Facebook, On The Edge on Twitter, all of that good stuff. Uh, for ticket links, you can find them on We Got Tickets and Eventbrite. Uh, next one will be a sellout. Uh, getting chatting with a couple of people who found about it through the podcast so wow that's amazing hope to see some more of you if you do come down and listen to the podcast introduce yourself to me uh, i'm often emceeing down there um i'm the idiot with the glasses and the bald head and the beard uh, i will be saying cunt quite a lot as is my way in this podcast anyway without any further ado let's crack on with this and uh, yeah hope you enjoy it guys do get in contact with us bye <laughs> the devil are you? I'm fine Dave Fenton thank you very much uh, how's your week been? My week has been alright I've been working hard I did uh, a couple of gigs last night go alright it's alright nice. it alright second one was a bit weird but uh, yeah it was just the audience really what can you do? <laughs> the, the audience yeah fuck, fuck the public yeah exactly yeah, indeed. we're both fun. in uh, areas of work where fuck the public yeah, 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 absolutely true, man. Absolutely, we got public enemy tickets on the subject. Yes, public. yeah, absolutely. Weirdly, uh, because we thought, right, we better go or need to go online immediately, ten o'clock when they go on sales, go yeah. sell out instantly. But I just literally strolled straight through to the. All right, I have that many tickets. You've got four tickets. Yeah, you've just described an easy transaction. It was friend. ridiculous. I was expecting it to be refreshing the page and sorry, you are now in a queue for like ninety minutes. You're gonna have to wait. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like we got those massive attack tickets, so that was a pain in the ass. We're going to that in just a few weeks' time, aren't we? That'll be a few weeks ago by the time this comes That's out. That's true. Yes, we're going to see them mid-February. Yeah, and yeah. this, I don't know, when, when's this going to be out? This, this is out. I imagine this will probably be out mid-March, because, yeah, this is Maybe episode later. 10. Yeah, episode 10. So, right, mm. full confessions, guys. We have 
done what we reserve the right to do and we have fucked with our own format here a little bit because as you know the rules that we have laid out are that if a number one is a compilation or a best of or something along those lines we won't do a full review but we will listen to the whole record and tell you what we think of it now this week it was uh, the three tenors yeah and we i mean i think you and i had exactly the same situation you sent me a message that said I've heard four tracks of this. I can't differentiate one from the other. Honest to God, uh, yeah, could not tell the difference. Yeah. I was I was trying to listen to it in the car. I, I went, I can't do this. I've got, a, I'm going to crash. <laughs> Just like Ab, <laughs> I, I can't. I'm going to do it on purpose. Right, sure. You had to end this misery. And then I tried to listen to it in the bath, and it ruined my bath. Right. And I, I went, I'm not doing it. So sorry, guys. No matter how terrible a pop album is, we will listen to it from start to finish. Sure. I promise you. Right. We listen to the Fleetwood Mac. We listen to the Christians. We, we will listen to them. But the three tenors. I mean, it's the three tenors. It's yeah. Three people who are very good at doing opera. Doing the greatest hits of opera. Like we said when we briefly talked about that Pavarotti compilation, it's not our thing. It's not our genre. We don't know it. We don't enjoy it. So it's hard to speak with any passion about it. And more than anything, we just simply don't give a fuck. No, we really don't. Don't give a fuck. So... But I mean, I I was impressed because I read up a little bit about it and it did say that this is... The Three Tenors, the 1991, is the highest selling classical music album ever. Brilliant. Don't give a fuck. No, no, there you go, but... Okay, I guess something has to be. That's it. Okay, there good. You go. Done. Well done, Carreras, Domingo and Pavarotti. You've hit a record. Brilliant, mate. Uh, but So this week's album, uh, for the majority of the conversation, is going to be... George Michael's Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1. Volume 1. Yeah. And timing-wise on this one, Three Tenors was number one for about five weeks. From the 2nd of September to the 13th of October. Okay. Uh, but then there was one week in the middle of that where George Michael came in at one sure. and uh, took the spot for one week. Wow, we're in October already. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, so uh, George Michael was number one from the 9th to the 15th of September. So bang in the middle of that. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Fantastic. Okay, so this is uh, George Michael's first record back since Faith. Yes. Let's start as we always do with the cover. Okay, so what we've got here is, uh, I mean, the record's called Listen Without Prejudice. We've got a record here. It's a black and white photo, uh, 50s, 60s beach. Um, 1940. Was it 1940? 1940. Okay, there you go. And there's no name. There's no uh, no album title on it at all. Uh, I mean, on the CD, on the vinyl, there's a sticker, which gives you yeah. that information. But, yeah, but this is, uh, you know, it, this record's called Listen Without Prejudice. It's obviously designed to be a completely, uh, sorry, a record that's anonymised from George's image. Yes, totally. He's stepping away from all of his old images yeah. in this one. Very, very much on purpose, oh, as, as we'll hear through all the lyrics. But I do think... It's a nice cover, you know, it's it's a nice image. It's called Crowd at Coney Island yeah. from 1940. I don't understand exactly why he's chosen that. I don't either. The specific one. I don't either, but I kind of feel like that might be the point. Maybe. Maybe it's just here. It's, it's almost as if you'd gone onto Shutterstock, hit random, mm. and done the first image you found. Yeah. But it's, I also, it's that kind of, what I do remember, though, is I remember this this record standing out from other records when you saw it on racks. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I still, you know, I still, I still think looking at it now, you know, compared to some of the other things we've we've looked at, it's, it's like it does make me interested into what it it might be. Mm. Okay, it's, it's more kind of a piece of art than just 
a close-up of the artist's face yeah. or the artist's in some stance on the, on the front cover. That's true. Exactly. And, and, you know, inside the album cover, there is a picture of Jordan's face. And I bet you any money, the record company literally fought him tooth and nail to have that yeah. in there. Or printed it up without him, though. We just released it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the in, inside of the record cover, we don't always talk about this, but everything's just very black and uh, silver and black. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the lyrics put, uh, put in there. It's very tastefully done. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's minimal... All that sort of stuff, but yeah, it, it goes along with the idea that he was removing his image and persona from the music. Yeah, this the is, product. This is yeah, it's certainly reflective of the idea that this is a more mature record. Well, than, indeed, yeah, than the previous stuff. Yeah, and this thing, you know, Faith was nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, it's huge, absolutely massive, especially in the states. Biggest selling record in the states that year. That was it, right. Yeah. There you go. Huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the videos, you look at the imagery from that. It's all about. George Michael's arse in those jeans yeah. and a bit of Americana with a jukebox and this sort of stuff. Uh, so this is a, definitely a growing up and, uh, like you say, a maturing. Was I Want Your Sex on Faith? Or was I that think, in I between? Think, I think it was in between. I don't yeah. think it was uh, an album track. I think it was between album single. Yeah, I think it was on Hit 6. There's one, one compilation I remember having it. Yeah, and yeah, I'm thinking, well, this is a bit risky. Oh, yeah, because no, yeah, it was banned on BBC. It was, wasn't it? It was, yeah. 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 I mean, in the same way as, I remember whenever... David Bowie's China Girl came out yeah. and the video for that was banned and I think Channel 4 played it late at night I was yeah. like oh. well yeah I mean I've, I've got I've still probably in a box in my parents loft got a, a VHS with the uh, Justify My Love video <laughs> on it the other thing about this album um, Faith was so big you know he toured it for a couple of years he made millions of pounds off that mm-hmm. it, it cemented his image as a solo performer after Wham but when he made this album in 1990, he was still only 27 years old. That's nuts, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 27, and you're already, you've done Wham, you're on your second solo album, and you're already going, oh, this this uh, is too much, I need to grow up. Basically, coming into this record, I, you know, I, I remember the singles, um, I, I think I, I remember having this record on a Christmas list but never having it oh right I think I, I wanted this record but I never really I, don't, yeah. I, I think it's the first time I've ever listened to this album all the way through same here yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know I've, I'm interested here I'm going to this one interested definitely and I at the time I remember Freedom coming out the single Freedom yeah. and I remember really enjoying that but the other singles had passed me by to a greater extent mm. I, I knew the album was out because my aunt bought it on a CD yeah. uh, she got herself a six CD changer for her house nice. and we went out and bought some CDs and this was one of them Okay. Uh, so I remember it being there but I don't remember hearing it all the way through I bet you were really impressed with that six I was, CD changer I was fucking loving it was it one of the pioneer ones where you got one disc out of the front and yeah then, oh, and the rest right. swiveled at the back yeah it was great love that my friend Lee Vincent's parents had one so good yeah so amazing. good amazing yeah. so yeah I, I went into this pretty fresh apart from the couple of bits uh, that I'd heard on the radio okay should we dive in then let's might as well first so, track first track is Praying for Time wow, big single this one this was a big single this was the first single released as well previous to the album sure so let's uh, remind people how this one goes There's some soul for you. There you go, mate. There you nice. go. So, yeah, okay, so we've got these kind of big open chord strumming, upwardly lilting, mm-hmm. and then we've got that kind of big, like you say, soulful vocal coming in. Yep. 
lyrics about society, man's inhumanity towards man. Yeah, and I'm guessing this is a big departure for him as well. This is, as far as I could tell, his first dabbling with uh, an almost political statement and sure. a, a state of the world kind of thing, rather than just, uh, you know, I want your sex mm-hmm. or let's dance or blah, 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 that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I think this is a well, you know, I think this is a, a well-constructed song. I think it is lyrically thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's overly on the nose or kind of... No, it's it's not as... It doesn't annoy me as much as Phil Collins' Homeless song, you know? Exactly. There was a, a quote from George Michael from the time, from 1990, says, no event inspired this song, but it's my way of trying to figure out why it's so hard for people to be good to each other. Yeah. You know? Which is, it sums up the whole thing. Yeah. And you got, you know, I, I think if you put that from the perspective of a 20, you know, 27 year old who's spent his entire life like really in the absolute hot spot of, because I mean, he, for whatever reason, George Michael was someone that always elicited the very worst of that British media tabloid attention. Mm-hmm. They always wanted something on him. Yeah. I would imagine living in fear of being outed for many, many years as oh, well. Must have been, yeah. Must have been. You know, so I, you can see where this guy's perspective on that would be, where what, you know, you know what I mean, I'm not a bad person, I'm just trying to live my life. Why can't yeah. people just not be dicks to each other? Well, exactly. And, you know, it was shown, I think, quite a lot uh, after his death. There mm-hmm. were so many stories come out about his charitable work and his donations yeah. that he just never spoke about. Yeah. He was a really good person. Yeah. And so, like you say... He's coming at this from the point of view of, well, there's no need for all this negativity. Uh, why, why can't we all be be decent? Yeah. You know? Why can't we all just get along? Well, exactly. It, it, yeah, it's one of those things which sounds wanky when you say it. But I think the way he's done it is brilliant in this song. I think this is a fucking fantastic song. Oh, so do I. I think, I think it's, it's absolutely amazing. I think it's a really, really good song as I think it's uh, lyrically really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know it, it's it's a nice honest take on something that you obviously feel something about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something we'll come back to again and again on this is George has got a, one hell of a voice. Oh, he really has, and yeah. it's not even just the um, I guess the the range and the the sheer technicality of what he's got. Mm-hmm. It's the emotion that goes into it. Yeah, you know, George Michael was. I mean, certainly, for he was a very soulful singer. He was. I suppose this is probably the first time that we've heard that, apart from maybe Careless Whisper, whereas, yeah. it, you know, possibly over-dramatic and over-felt, over you know? I knew you were waiting. New York, New York, brilliant. That is true. Come on. That is brilliant. Okay. I'm going to against Aretha Franklin. You fucking yeah, no. know me. Uh, okay, here's a question then. What were your... Were you a Wham fan? Yeah. Were you? I've been trying to work this out for ages, but my first single that I bought was either Ghostbusters... Mm-hmm. Or it was everything she wants back last Christmas. Okay. Double A side. Right, sure. But uh, yeah, no, wake me up before you go, go. Last Christmas, everything she wants. Uh, yeah, freedom. freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah free, I'm your man. Freedom, I'm your man. Yeah, uh, Club Tropicana. All of those mm-hmm. Wham singles I loved. They were right. big, big pop tunes for me, yeah. Oh, this is the thing. I absolutely agree that they are massive pop tunes. I didn't particularly give a shit at the time. Okay. Whenever I was... I don't know seven or eight, and they were out, and they were in the charts, and they were on top of the pops. I didn't particularly care. I wasn't a fan. I was fine with them, yeah, but I wouldn't seek them out, and I wouldn't be really pleased when they came on telly or whatever. Like ah, no, I say I, 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 yeah. I did really like. Fair one. play. I was, I was less bothered by Faith era George Michael. Yeah, I love the, the title track, but I never was that bothered by the any of the rest of it. Kissing a fool, etc. Yeah, I couldn't give a shit. No, no. I mean, Faith is a brilliant song. Yeah. All right. Um, there's one lyric in this I really particularly liked. And again, this is him really battling 
to to say what he thinks, and he's just, you can tell he's frustrated with the world, and he's yeah. frustrated with people for being so negative and antagonistic. Uh, he's going, so you scream from behind your door, say, "What's mine is mine, and not yours." I may have too much, but I'll take my chances because God's stopped keeping score. Yeah, it's you nice. Know, it? It's lovely. I was thinking the parallels of people today. It hasn't moved on. You know, we're talking nearly thirty years later, and still people are going. Well, no, this is mine. You can't have any of it, even though I've got too much. Yeah, I'm not giving any away. Which is a, this is the day after in Cardiff, a conservative councillor has got themselves in trouble by saying, uh, "If you want to clean up the image of Cardiff, you need to tear down all these homeless people's tents." It's right. like wicked. That's where we are. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well done. Exactly. But well did, done, I, I did. I, I kind of picked up on a load of stuff on this that you go. This is absolutely still still happening. Of course, still man. relevant. Yeah, and you know, and obviously, I was wondering whether we were going to be in quite into religion. The song's called Praying for Time. Mm-hmm. But then there's that other lyric in there where he's like, you know, kind of God snuck out the back door and disappeared. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of almost saying, you know, you know, what I took from it is, you know what, if we're, if we're praying, we're praying to no one because no one's paying attention. We need to sort this out ourselves. I, yeah, I think, I think there's definitely that take. I put it more on, because I, I think he's saying that people have moved too far away from God. Mm, and okay. so we have, we have left... God rather than it says he snuck out the back door but and it says all God's children have uh, snuck out as well yeah and so there's a distance between the two now that probably should be closed I, I took that from it uh, yeah I think you can probably debate it either way well, um, right. I think it's an interesting take well totally I just want to say a bit about the video I find interesting mm-hmm. as well because this is the first single off the album yeah and this was like we've said this is the first time that George Michael is trying to move away from being pop icon George Michael yeah. the video is just a series of text. It's just a white text on a black background. Yeah. So he's stepped so far away yeah. from being the image that uh, Sony or Columbia wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. He's just totally removed anything possible and come up with what is basically just... Uh, well, he's invented the YouTube lyrics video 20 years <laughs> earlier, isn't he? That's what he's <laughs> he done. Has. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's, that's what he's done. But so, I can see why Columbia were pissed off. Oh, uh, yeah, but absolutely. I mean, he absolutely refused to be in any of the mm-hmm. videos for this. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, in, it was in none of the... I and mean, there were five singles off this record and he was in the video for none of them. Oh, totally. But the other ones there are videos for, or some of yeah. them there are actual videos for. This one, I thought, that was a ballsy move. If it was if it was George Michael himself who said no, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Ballsy move to just go no fuck off. You're not having any images at all. You're just having the words. But I think you know. In retrospect, though, in retrospect, I think you know the record company was wrong because oh for sure because, because it got like, laid loads. You know, I, you know when George Michael died, there was this kind of general feeling that we'd lost a great artist, right? And mm-hmm. if we'd just lost the Wham and the Faith guy. I don't think that would have been the same case. I think we'd have been we've, no. we've lost a you know a big pop artist has died, but I don't think the you know That's serious you know those kind of the big moments of him singing I won't let the sun go down on me without and John yep. uh, you know all of those things those big kind of uh, it, it did transform how he was perceived as as an artist. And oh, I think it, it, you, know, it was, you know it's clear. But we'll talk you know next song was probably the time to talk about some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's go on. So that's. Uh... That was the first one. And like I say, that was the first single. Yeah. That was the first taster anyone heard off the album. Track two was okay. a, was actually the third single in the UK. Yeah. Freedom, or okay. Freedom 90, as it became titled. So. And yeah, this is the one that I totally remember coming out. Yeah, percussion going on. Yeah, it's, it's a nice little funky beat. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah. 
is instantly catchy. That breathy vocals is so good. And bam, there's your funky drummer beat. Into the song with a proper. Yeah. Yeah, it's only some goosebumps, man. It's brilliant. This song's so good that when it drops into its little porno funk refrain halfway through, it's still good. It's still it's so fun. Yeah, I mean, that was, I noticed that as well. When it, there's the breakdown where it's just kind of the wah wah bass yeah. and the, the beat, and it sounds like it's a black exploitation film. Yeah, it and it's like, and it's like, oh, you're like no one else. You're like, imagine the new kids on the block had tried that. <laughs> I, actually, I would have liked to hear their attempt, but yeah. Fuck me. This is this is this record is cool as fuck, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you got like musically all like you know, musically it all comes together really. Everything's understated, but it just kind of swells and takes you along with it. Yeah. Uh, it just like I say that that main that, that syncopation between that kind of that percussion percussion and that piano lick, mm-hmm. and then then just all of the the flourishes and changes that go along with it, brilliant. And but then and that's without even talking about the lyrical content of this. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something. This is the best example of you know this is a, a statement that several artists have made over the years mm-hmm. but this is absolutely I would say the best version of this I, I, I need to you know yeah, this, I need you know, it's be, you know it's better than Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus right sure right? I'm, not, I'm not slagging off Wrecking Ball by Miley no, Cyrus particularly but in terms of you know this is this is a confessional reflective it sets out to stall perfectly like indeed I, you know and, the, and as well that he could have gone a different route and it could have been a, a kind of a inference of what he's trying to talk mm. about you know and not not go direct but he's just gone straight down the line no metaphors no similes this is my story this is what yeah. I want this is where I am yeah, yeah there, there's there's no faffing about with imagery it's this is what I used to do. I know this is how you perceive me, but yeah. that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. Sometimes the clothes are not better man. But exactly. It's per- perfectly done. Yeah. And I mean, that chorus is incredible. Oh, isn't it great? Isn't yeah. it great, man? Look, the, 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 I think the best thing I can say about this is there were several times when I was, when I was listening to this and I was making notes on it, mm-hmm. there were several times I just put my pen down and just sang on <laughs> a little dance on my desk. Nice. And that's, I was just like, look, this is, you know, a perfect pop song. It's, it's brilliant. I would, you know, say this is, I mean, again, I don't know a lot of the latter George Michael stuff, yeah. but for me, this is probably my favourite George Michael song. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is, this is a career-defining moment. The only problem uh, with this song for me is it sets such a high bar for the rest of this record. True, yes. And also, again, not having heard the whole album before, the rest of the album surprised me because it wasn't more like this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th- I, this, this is... Uh, an obvious single it's very upbeat it's uh, uh, not dance floor friendly that's not the word I'm looking for but it's it's a pop single it's a radio friendly yeah, single absolutely and you know I'm t- totally honest with you if you'd have asked me going into this what I was hoping for it would be more of this definitely and you know and that's yeah. and I think this, you know I, I listened to this album for a few times yes and I think that's important that we do that when we do these because you have to sometimes reset your expectations yeah indeed well, that's what happened for me last week with, with the Prince one. Yeah. I went into it and went, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. Went back into it and, okay, I see what he's doing. And yeah, this is, yeah, it works better if you if you give it a few goes. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I mean, I've, 
I don't have. I mean, obviously, the video was amazing for this. Indeed, yeah, the video definitely uh, warrants some talking about. It's, it's a David Fincher one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one where it's just supermodels lip syncing the words again. There's Michael's not in it yeah. on purpose. He's trying to subvert the theory that he has to be in it and be sexy. He's getting sexy people to be in it and be George Michael. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's. Uh, very stylishly done because it's Fincher classy high yeah they're blowing up bits of you know kind of you know blowing up the leather jacket and stuff like that kind of bits of Michael iconography the the, the jukebox from the Faith video explodes all that stuff it's very cathartic for him I guess and and again it's a statement and it, it was on MTV all the time and that hammers home the new George Michael to everybody. This song's so absolutely personal and perfect for saying this. It, I mean, I, I shouldn't I don't know if I should mention this or not, but how ridiculous is it that fucking Robbie Williams covered this? The thing that it makes perfect sense from the point of view of Robbie Williams, because he <sighs> wanted to reinvent himself as not being in Take That anymore. He wanted to be a solo performer. So in his head, he was going, I'm not a serious uh, performer. This is the song for me. Yeah, but I mean, do you not see the problem with that? This song is like, okay, here's here's my songwriting credentials. Oh, right. Here's this story that's very personal to me and what yeah. I've been through. And he, and, and Matey's gone, oh, yeah, that's similar. Yeah, well, I don't think he's thought it. about that bit at all. He just wanted a message that he thought worked. Mm. Yeah. And there is the thing. I don't think the Robbie Williams version is dreadful because it's such a good song. It's hard to fuck it up. And he didn't do anything particularly stupid. Well, with yeah, it. You, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not. It's not awful, but it's like redundant. Oh, it's to the point of fucking fast. Yes. Right. Oh, for sure. But as a cover version, it's fine. This is such a good song. It's hard for someone, even like Robbie Williams, to make a fucking tits up of it. Yeah, fair dues, man. But yeah, I love this track, man. It's great. It's amazing. One thing I enjoyed on here. I've actually got the 12 inch of this, and on the B side, there is a mix called the Back to Reality mix. Oh, it's the one with the Soul to Soul song. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it, it starts actually with just that black exploitation bit that we talked about. Okay. And that, that's the intro. It goes into George Michael singing a bit of uh, Back to Life by Soul to Soul. But then there's a wee bit which harks back to a previous album we've done on this podcast. So I'm going to play some of this. Wow. Yeah. Actually, O'Connor. Bizarre. You get exactly from the I Am Stretched on Your Grave. Yeah. From Sinead O'Connor's album. That little fiddle part. Well, they're really all over that shit, aren't they? Bizarre. He's just put that in. Who remixes? It uh, doesn't say on here. I'd have to look up my 12. But yeah, there you go. Track two. That was the third single. Also, bizarrely, because it's fucking fantastic, peaked at number 28 in the UK. In the singles charts. Was not, what the hell? Did top 10 US. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it just was not what people wanted from him. I, I guess. guess so. And I wonder if he'd released that first and it hadn't been Praying for Time. Because Praying for Time is such a slow, dramatic song. If he'd gone straight in with Freedom as yeah. first single, would it have done better? Because it was people expecting it, so they're buying it. But also it's more up song I mean I don't know man I mean like you know the one thing I've realised is that Phil Collins record was number one for so long yeah. that I don't know what these people are looking for <laughs> yeah, true I don't know what 90s CD buying people were after and I just can't say it. Bomb Ballerina was number one last week oh my god yeah, yeah, so let's, uh, the one thing we should mention about this record though is obviously posthumously 
this record had a, a like a massive three disc set put out etc and this is probably the only record we'll talk about in our 90s that then returned to number one 20 years after it came out oh I see well it wasn't 20, 20 but, uh, sure this was a number one record again in 2017 right Okay, that, yeah, that, I can't think of anything else we're going to talk about that would have done that. No. Cool, so track three. They won't go when I go. No more lying friends, wanting tragic ends, though they do pretend they won't go. I mean, this is a Stevie Wonder cover, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. So we've got a stripped-down piano. We've got a, a very prominent, soulful vocal. Yeah. Um, and that's really what we got. That is it. There's five minutes of that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not... doesn't deviate from that much. All a bit overwrought for me, if I'm honest. I don't understand why he's done it. Nah. Um, I think it's a nice enough song, but... I mean, A, if I was going to put it on an album, it would be the last track on the album. It would mm-hmm. be the closer... But also, I might have tried to do something a bit more with it. He's just very much stuck to what Stevie did. I had a lot of goodwill going with this track from the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really trying to go with him. And, you know, even like the third or fourth listen, I was just a bit bored. Yeah. Was, I was like, okay, I'm going to skip this. Yeah. It's a bit kind of a funereal dirge. Uh, yeah. It's it's very down. I don't think it's a it's a winner for me. I, I would skip this next time I listen. And yeah, and you know, as well, even as like a, a, a forum for for George's vocal, I don't think it's it doesn't I don't think it serves his voice as well as other stuff on this record. Not particularly. And I did see that uh, this is a live take. This is a one take that uh, thing they did. Well, I, yeah, I, they said that, but mm. what I didn't understand about that is there's there's two notes on there. One says live record. Yeah. And then it also says all vocals by George Michael. Well, yeah, it's, it's multi-dragged after it yeah but I'm okay. assuming that main one is one take okay right so that's the, that's what they're saying with that that's what I, my guess I mean that's what I'd take from it as well sure. but I just thought it was a weird two things you know normally one take vocal it's oh right it's, it's you in a room and that's yeah, that yeah here, here it is sure it? my guess is that he is a big Stevie Wonder fan Mm. and wanted to do something wanted to put a cover on there because he's such a big fan He, I only say that because he also covered I Believe When I Fall In Love yeah. uh, with Elton John as the B-side to I Won't Let The Sun Go Down On Me and he covered As with Mary J Blige two other of my favourite Stevie songs as well he didn't do at any point uh, I Just Called To Say I Love You Apparently, I don't think he did no or Ebony and Ivory fucking Lisa shocker yeah but the, I, I'm guessing he's a massive fan he must love that song you know he's got it in his head this is a brilliant song and so he wants to show it to the world yeah I think it's out of place and I would skip it next time I listen yeah I think it knocks the, the flow of the record out a little I, bit I agree yeah I agree okay track four track four let's do track four is something to save Okay, so we've got a kind of guitar with a sunny disposition. <laughs> yeah. We've got some soaring strings. A cello. Hmm. If you've got something to say, why don't you say it? If you've got something to give, why don't you give it to me? Yeah, so I mean, lyrically this is about, this is one of quite a few songs about a failing, failed relationship. Yes. On here. So obviously yeah. that's something that's going on 
in his life as well. Uh, absolutely, there's a lot that, that comes back quite often. Interesting thing about this, uh, the whole record, going back to it actually, is in the inside of the CD notes, it gives the month that the song was written. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah, so you can actually kind of put together ah, a chronology of, right. the, of the kind of the motions of it. I see. You, oh, kind of track his, you can kind of track his brain. I, I was like, oh, okay, I'd quite like it if more people did this. Hmm. But yeah, so for this song, I don't have much to say about it. It's quite nice. It's well written. Yeah. Um, I don't really connect with it on any great level. No. I think it's a bit slight. I mean, it's, it's more than a meh. Oh right. yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like I don't want to just you know. I don't want to just kind of discard it. It's not without its merits, but it it just doesn't really connect with me on any great level. No, and also just in terms of the melody, it reminded me. I don't know if it reminded me specifically of something, but a song from a musical, especially that where he's saying, "But why don't you give it to me?" It's, uh, Just that, that that the phrasing sounds to me of someone stage front yeah. singing in the spotlight about a love who he can't have. Oh yeah, I can hear that. There's something in it for me. Oh yeah, I can completely hear that. Actually, I I, ha- I hadn't yeah. picked up on that, but yeah, I can. Uh... So it, it it sounds like a, a big song, yeah. but I think there's not a lot of body to it. Yeah, so like maybe it should it should break out into like a big production. Maybe so, a lot of dancing. Yeah, yeah can can. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe <laughs> Andrew Ridgely could come out. <laughs> maybe that's who he's talking about. Maybe. <laughs> You've got something to give, give it to me. Yeah, my other royalties for all the songs I wrote and gave you. Oh, bless that, man. I mean, that's, that's a good dude. Andrew no. Ridgely must fucking... Oh, he must oh be my grateful God. every day. I mean, he must love George Michael. Yeah. And this is another example of why George Michael is a good bloke. Yeah. Uh, one thing annoyed me about this. Okay. Again, this is in the booklet for the CD. I don't know who they got to edit the lyrics that they put right. in the booklet, but they've got, I guess it's time, no apostrophe in the oh, mate. and you're not far, Y-O-U-R. Oh, Chris. Fuck off, mate. <laughs> that, is, that is a worldwide distributed CD oh, with ridiculous grammar errors. No oh, fucking need at all. I love how angry you are about One this. pass at that. One pass... <laughs> And I sent it back, gone, oh, change that, change that, and you're done. Oh. Easy. It's, like, it's, like, it's fucking one of the songs, Mother's Pride, no apostrophe in it. It's the title. Krista, what's your main problem with that? Wow. Proofreading. Ah, that got uh, it. Yeah. But no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Right. It, it didn't blow me away, but yeah, like you say, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, it's fine. All right, well, shall we take a quick break from George Michael? Yeah. He's done four tracks of ten. Okay. And have a look and see what's going on album-wise. I've gone for the album chart, which is the week where George Michael was. Because like, obviously this podcast spans, spans five, weeks, five yeah. weeks, so we're in the middle of it. And there are only a couple of new bits that we'll need to talk about. But, so, number 10, we've got Phil Collins, but seriously. Finally at the fucking lower end of 10, but it's still there. We're still in the 10. Still, still in the 10, and this is mid-September. Yeah. Uh, John Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory, Young Guns 2. Nice. New Kids on the Block, Step by Step. Mm-hmm. Joe Jackson, Stepping Out, which is the best of. Okay. Uh, new entry, Mariah Carey's debut, self-titled. So okay. So we, we're starting to see uh, that come in, 1990. She, I think she'd done much bigger business in the States. Yeah. And she was already quite big over there. Yeah. It got released over here, and it's starting to make a little bit of a wave. 
Nothing major, yeah. The, the, the wave of histrionic diva music was to come. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but then after that, Michael Bolton, Soul Provider, Roxette Looks Sharp, Elton John, Sleep in the Past, and The Three Tenors in Concert. That's your top ten. Okay. So we've done most of those. But in the five-week period, there were some other albums released that are worth having a wee look. Judas Priest's Painkiller. Nice. Okay, right. That's yeah. a fucking brilliant record. It still stands up as well. Yeah. yeah. Warrant's Cherry Pie. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll admit, I've never listened to the whole album. Oh, yeah, no, that's, a, that's a wonderful single delivery system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. That's a stunning single. Uh, one I never got into, but I suspect you might have. Angelo Badalamenti's Twin Peaks soundtrack. No, do you know, I've never watched Twin Peaks. Did you not? No. Oh, I've, 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 very long then. No, I've, it's one of those weird anomalies. So for everything that I'm into, I should be a mm. massive David Lynch fan. Yeah. But I'm kind of not. No, me neither. No, it's like, there's bits of Lynch that I do like. I really like Blue Velvet. Uh-huh. Um, I really like Straight Story, which is like the most straightforward <laughs> non lynch She says, fucking great, you'd love it. Okay. It's a really nice story about a man on a tractor. Oh, I remember reading about this. Okay, yeah, it's right. a great film. It's really straightforward. It's very non-lynchy. But yeah, I'm not the. I keep meaning to go back through and watch it and mm-hmm. see where I get. Like, like, but I just I don't know. But do you think if you went back to Twin Peaks having never seen it now, would you just go, "All right, now this is nonsense"? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I you know. My mom loved it at the time, and I tried watching a couple of episodes and went, "Nah, this is bullshit." Mm. Not for me. It's no Jason Statham, is it? It's for exactly <laughs> nothing like it. Uh, oh, Flaming Lips. I think it's their first album in a priest-driven ambulance. Okay, which I love. I didn't uh, hear it at the time, but I think maybe '92 I heard that, and that was the first Flaming Lips album I'd heard, and it was brilliant. Yeah. So uh, that's, but that was also the sort of Flaming Lips I liked. I didn't like when they went into the um, Clouds Taste Metallic weird, right. weird, uh, a little bit out there stuff. I just liked the crunchy guitar tunes they used to do oh. um, Obituaries Cause of Death came out so okay. again, lots of metal ACDC's The Razor's Edge I didn't, I didn't, I'm trying to think of that record I didn't, I, no you won't know it but there's a single that come on, that we'll come on to later that you know oh okay I know, uh, I know exactly what that is indeed already, yeah. you do Megadeth's Rust in Peace yep that uh, uh, went into the charts at number 8 yeah. again this is the the metalhead Fan base, yeah, and actually, they're like Megadeth are an enormous at this point. ACDC went in at four. But I mean, you know? it's amazing they didn't go in at one, right? Sure, yeah, well, probably had Phil Collins to contend with. Iron Maiden's No Prayer for the Dying, nice, that went in at two, obviously. Of course, it again, surprised it didn't go in at one. I, I think it, it was maybe uh, three tenors kept it off, okay, one of those ones. And Slayer Seasons in the Abyss, now, Slayer Seasons in the Abyss is a fucking brilliant record, yeah. Yeah, uh, big. I mean, you're an idiot if you don't say that Rain in Blood is Slayer's best record, but Seasons in the Abyss is their second best record. Fair. And anyone that says it's South of Heaven or anything else isn't an idiot. <laughs> but there you go. So a lot of rock and metal stuff is what I picked up on coming out in this summer of 1990. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 the height of the Big Four thrash. I suppose. Yeah. This yeah. is this is you know this is where thrash is kind of the reaction to a lot of the hair rock and stuff. This is you know right. it's the kind of the crunchy. But you see obituary coming through there, so you get in the start of, of death metal as sure, well. Yeah. Um. Obviously, this is not a metal podcast, so I won't. No, we don't need to work there at all. But yeah. But I think it's interesting that this is definitely coming through and is charting so highly. But yeah, it's it's that kind of thing about rock and metal that it always exists just under the surface. Mm. 
uh, it doesn't change in its form hugely. It's like the crocodile, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, true. It, yeah. you know, the dinosaurs may have died out, but the crocodile's still here. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I've always loved about it. You know, it sits has enormous fan bases that allow these big kind of day one release spikes. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the, the UK acts like we're like it's some embarrassing stepchild, doesn't yeah. it? I'm still annoyed about it. Do you know, that's the thing that I'm fucking annoyed about most, right? Uh-huh. Back to the Olympics, uh, the, you know, the, the music. Yeah. yeah. And the amazing opening ceremony, and, when it, and it, you know, kind of covered up all the different types of mm. music, right? Yeah. Neither in that nor the admittedly shit closing ceremony was there any mention of metal. Nothing at all? No, nothing, mate. And we have got, basically, metal, you can argue, was invented in the UK. Oh, it's, it's Black, Black Sabbath. Black, yeah, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Judas Priest, yeah. Iron Maiden, some of the biggest, the, the whole new wave of British heavy metal. Sure. Like, why, we, you know, we're not proud of it at all. We're, like, it's, I see, it is. It's, uh... it's, it's, like, it, it's like we're embarrassed of it. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I get that it's silly, but, you know, it's purposefully silly quite a lot of the time. Yeah, it, sometimes it absolutely knows it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, of course it is. And, you know, even if it is a bit po-faced and stuff, the fact, you know, even when it is, it's it's it still was, fun. Well, totally. If you look at Black Sabbath, of course they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Talking about witches yeah. and the occult. And that's it. Of course they are. But those tunes you can't argue with. Exactly, mate. And it's like, you know what, right? I'm sorry, but I'm I'm a lot prouder of of heavy metal than I am a fucking Britpop. That's that's a, a statement I can't argue with. I'd rather listen to five Angel Witch records than a single fucking menswear <laughs> record. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we don't have to do menswear for this one. You're safe on. I mean, they never they never had a number one. Nah. If we, if we do an also runs Britpop special, we can have them and Strange Love on it. <laughs> it's true. That's album wise where we kind of are, but back into George Michael. Track five, Cowboys and Angels. Cowboys and Angels, right. This one was the last single released of it, and it peaked at number 45, so it didn't even make the 40 on this. Only a single in George Michael's career that wasn't a top 40 hit. Right, yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, play a bit of this, and also need to get to the bit where it actually starts. Alright. Well, no, because it's worth mentioning, because we start off here with this minor key, mm-hmm. sad piano, yep. and, it's, and it's one thing, and you're thinking, okay, right, is this going to be like track three? Right. And then we come in to the dinner jazz. Yes. This is soft jazz. Oh, it really is, right? Now, I, this is an example um, of listening to this record a few times, because the first couple of times I had this, mm-hmm. heard this, I straight up just didn't like it at all. Like, hated it. Right, sure. Right? And then, on my, one of my last parts, when I started, and I, I started to read the lyrics with it, and the two things started to sit together, mm-hmm. that's when it started to make a little bit more sense to me. Right, okay. The lyrics of this are, uh, basically they're about when emotions are imbalanced and there's a kind of a power imbalance in a relationship that that's problematic. Right. And I actually thought it was quite an insightful... Yeah? It kind of clicked to me. I thought I really liked the lyrics, and, and they kind of sat across that song and the way you phrased them. I went, oh, actually, I like this more than I thought I did. Okay. Because the lyrics, uh, the words of it, and the message were better than just fluff. What exactly that? And then it kind of, you know, the whole kind of cinematic feel of it kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. Because obviously it's got that kind of film noir, kind of smoky, yes. bar, sure. cliched kind of feel to it. I mean, I read an interview, I think he was saying about what it was about, and it, he said he was saying it was like a love triangle right. where it was him another guy and another girl 
Right. And the girl was into George Michael. George Michael was into the other guy. Yeah. But none of the feelings were acquired from anybody. Right. So it was a stalemate, kind of a, a real shame that nobody could get what they want yeah. from that situation. And it was never going to change. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I'd think that. I, it didn't do it for me, this song. I, I still, even after a few listeners, find it dull. Okay. I, I mean, look, that, that was absolutely my first reaction. I was I was like, oh, no, this is, I don't like, I, I really like took against it. Yeah. And came around to it. I mean, the thing, okay. the thing that this made me thought, and we said this uh, a couple of weeks ago about someone else, I can't remember who, but I did listen to it and think it was quite a shame that we never got a George Michael Bond theme. Uh, yeah, that was just a patch mode. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think you could have had, you know, one hell of a George Michael. He could have done a great one. Yeah. That is true. I mean, it's too long, this song. It's seven minutes long. It's far too long. Yeah. And, again, I don't understand... I mean, obviously, you've only got ten songs to choose from, but this isn't a single. Oh, God, no. This was the last single, fair enough, and I don't actually think there was a video made for it. Mm-hmm. I think they just put it out to radio, but this is not a single. But this is this is, uh, this is is a song that he's... Uh, yeah, I think he's probably quite proud of what he's achieved with it. And this is the other thing, because he is moving away from the old image, this is totally away from that old image. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do uh, a, a jazz song in waltz time with a saxophone solo. Obviously, got a saxophone. But I mean, there's a fucking, I mean, there's like a minute and a half saxophone. Yeah, totally fine. Yeah, I mean, it is, it, 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 to me, that is a real kind of thumbing the nose to the, the record company again. It is definitely, this is, a, you know, a willfully different yeah. song and a, and a different direction. I, you know, I don't fault him for doing it because he obviously has in his head what he wants to do. And he's yeah. very just, I'm doing this and you can't stop it. You can't say no. Yeah. This to me is another one where maybe he likes a bit of jazz. And he's like, fuck it, I'm going to put some jazz on my album to introduce it to the masses. I yeah. might be that. I mean, I don't like this kind of jazz at all. No. I don't, guys. It's not for me. No. Anyway, so, right, so that's that one. That was no, number five. Track number six. Number is, six is Waiting for That Day, Stroke, You Can't Always Get What You Want. Yeah. Which is a lyric in it, which means literally for one lyric they've had to give Jagger and uh, Richards a song. That's right, I've got it, exactly. Yeah. And this was the second single. Here comes the second time this record. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this is um, this one peaked at number twenty-three. And the fact that he's used funky drummer again mm. just made me wonder. Again, this is nineteen ninety. Hip hop is on the, the increase. It's on. It's growing. Did he just decide? Oh, I'm, I'm going to try and do something with sampling. I'm going to try and use some samples, but he only had one record. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's odd that they used it twice, mm. and this this is a more blatant use of it. Very much, yes. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and you know, after the Sinead O'Connor record, I'm not surprised when these breaks <laughs> show up. No, I'm not. No, it's true. And you know, this literally this is a song. It's another breakup song. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I went into this one going, okay, that's a, this is a misuse of this sample. It's not doing what I want it to do. But again. As I came back in, whenever I try and hate something in this record or try and be like, okay, try and be a bit more dismissive of it, mm. there's just something in the vocal or something like that, that brings me back in. And like I think by the second verse, mm-hmm. I was kind of nodding my head along to it. Really? Yeah. I, like, I don't I don't love it. Okay. Right? I don't I, I don't love it. But I went from okay, no, here we are. Um, no, yeah. no, no. And to, oh, okay, now I've caught the feeling of what you're trying to do and the, the way the guitar and the, the beat went together. Okay. I've kind of forgotten about the fact that it was that sample necessarily. It's sorry, just a fit. 
it did work for me. I see. I, I, I think this is a perfectly fine song. I, again, I think it's a little wishy-washy. Uh, I, think, I think there's no real bite to it. And the weird thing is, because it did have to be co-credited to the Stones, it seems to be not just because he went into the lyric, but also the chords are too similar sure. to get away with it. He was like, fuck it, okay, going to have to do that. It actually reminded me more of Walk on the Wild Side, uh, with the do-do-do-do-do, that yeah. bit of it. But uh, he didn't have to give anything to Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. But it, it reminded me of that, which I think was quite cool. It's an, it is a nice little song. Well, and then when you think of Walk on the Wild Side as well, and then you think about it with a breakbeat, then you've got... Then you've got uh, Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, yeah, Can I Kick It? That's so, true, actually, yes. So maybe that's in there as well. Possibly. Uh, it reminded me also of the previously mentioned As by Stevie Wonder. Um, again, it just I felt a Stevie Wonder influence throughout this at some point as well. You've got a great ass. Hey! Uh, yeah, but yeah, lyrically, did you uh, enjoy the the lyrics again? The relationship, the, the the pain of an important relationship. Not yeah. I mean, I like the way he's using words yeah. in this. Uh, I like the way he uses phrasing throughout this whole record. And you know, I, it's one of those records where you can't where, where you don't kind of get the impression that it's 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 trite. You get the impression that this is someone that thinks about things. Uh, it's someone mm-hmm. that has has an interest and perspective on things and, and expresses them well yeah right? and I'm well aware that that sentence was literally the opposite <laughs> yeah. of what I was trying to describe but yeah I, I think he does well I th- because I took from it it's about uh, a particularly important relationship that he's had yeah and he can't move on from it he knows he's only hurting himself by not doing so yeah um, he's, he's holding on to the pain rather than letting go mm-hmm. uh, he, he can't make himself happy because he's unable to change he really wants this guy back but uh, I like that it started off being self-aware that he's not helping himself. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, uh, I wish I could move on. I wish that uh, this pain would go. But it ends up with him begging the guy to come back. Yeah, It's like he, he's accepting that he will never change. And he's going, all right, can we just make make it better? Can, can you come back and I will do anything you want just to come back and make this better again. Yeah. He, he knows he can't move on. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's like he's starting off from, I want to move on, ending up as, I know I can't. Sure. I thought that was a nice little uh, journey in the song. But yeah, it was, it's fine. And it does seed into, you can't always get what you want very nicely. Yeah. It's, it's a nice little ending for it to do that. And it also fits the the lyrics, you can't always get what you want. It, is, it ties in the whole thing. Cool. Right, number seven. Track seven, Mother's Pride. Mother's Pride. As I said, no apostrophe. We both looked at each other yeah. at that point. Right. I see. Literally, what I've written down here is I went panpipes question mark. <laughs> this is better be fucking good, George. Right? I've written panpipes question mark question mark question mark. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. I was like, right, this is gonna have to be good, right? Uh-huh. And then it isn't. <laughs> it just isn't. No. Um, well, this is another string. This is very much a message song. This is a, yeah. a political statement song. This is an incredibly worthy song yes. about generational cycle of war. It's about, yes. uh, okay, father's a soldier, he dies in the war, and then your son's a soldier, and then he dies in the war. Uh-huh. Nothing nothing ever changes. Yeah. And, someone, you know, and this, you know, it's a very 
very worthy. It's a very good message. You can't fault the message. Oh, totally. But it's, you know, it's a very well-trodden path. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it brings, you know, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe you, you don't need it to bring anything new to that, to that. Maybe it's, I don't know. But it's dull as fuck. It's a bit, pardon the pun, lifeless. I don't, oh, I, fucking hell. I, I think the pan pipes are a mistake. Obviously, because I mean, when are they ever they not? Are. Of course they are. I don't, I don't think it's too bad. I think the message in it, I think he delivers very well. I think he words it well. Maybe a little sickly sentimental is a bit the uh, daytime TV yeah. film of the week. It was, it, it, was a, yeah, it was a bit root one for me, mate. I, right. It was a bit on the nose and it was... Right. I didn't think it was as as accomplished as the rest of the record. Uh, but right. this, this, this was a big... Air, like, if we were in the world where... Airplay and streams and everything mm-hmm. counts that we are today. Yeah, this would have probably been a very big record. That's what it sounds like from reading around it. Yeah, because this was around the time of the Gulf War. Yeah, uh, and this got a lot of radio airplay. I think a lot of college radio airplay. All oh, right, yeah. And you know, people, a lot of people were remarking on you know kind of how important the message is. And I guess right. you know when you're in a time of war like that and young men are going off to fight, I guess. You know, it's it's easy for me to sit and go. You know, it's, it's a little bit trite. It's a very, but I just we're evaluating this in terms of pop songs and well, yeah, yeah. You know, I just don't think it's a good pop song. I don't think it sits on this record well. Um, I don't mind it as much as you do. I think I I think it sits fine because he is trying to make statements about the world and people and government sending young men off to die for no yeah. reason, everything being futile. Yeah, I mean, I I felt closer to. Uh, Phil Collins territory with this one yeah that is definitely true yeah that that's, is definitely true and you know and maybe that's incredibly unfair but you know you got to say what you think no totally fine um, I, yeah and again I, I would skip this next time I listen to it oh, me, sure. me but too me too absolutely. I don't think it's dreadful I, I think if you were putting together uh, a playlist of anti-war songs oh as if I could I, I, think could, the, I could name you 40 better anti-war songs I think this. the message of this I think he words it really well The I think there's a bleakness of and the message about a woman losing her husband and knowing that her son now wants to be a, a soldier, he goes on the plane, she knows it's the last time she ever going to see him. All right, okay. If I was making that compilation, though, 40 mm. songs, it would just be one by Metallica 39 times and then 19 <laughs> by... Uh, <laughs> awesome. I don't know. That's fair. I'd put that on shuffle. I'd be disappointed <laughs> when 19 came up. <laughs> Let mine! Sorry. Um, but okay, yeah, no, that's fine. I, I, let's face it. Neither of us are going to nominate that one to be on the, the oh, pop collaborating playlist. No, I don't like that one. But right, so okay, so that's track seven. Uh-huh. Okay, so we've got three more to go. Yes. So should we take a break and do the singles? Let's do the singles. <laughs> we'll go through the top ten singles of this week, okay. 1990. Number ten. Play a bit of this. I reckon you'll get this one. Rhythm of the Rain is the song. I don't know, who is it? You definitely had at least one album by him. Jason Donovan. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, I fucking don't. I, do you know what I was thinking it was? Mm-hmm. I think it was Bruce Willis. At number nine, I mentioned her a little bit earlier. Mariah Carey. It is obviously, straight away, Mariah Carey. Vision of Love. 
I'm, I like this song. I do not. I do. I do. I think, I think the, the chorus of this is quality. Number eight is New Kids on the Block Tonight. Great. Number seven, and I'd forgotten how bad this one is, Adamski's The Space Jungle. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Wow. Mate, this is, this is, this is a uh, demo on a keyboard. Isn't it? Bad. It is shit awful. And it's... Oh my god! It's like an Elvis cover over a castle. Mate, this is... What is this? Is this like... This is like my first PIL record. Fucking dread. And again, he had the album though, the NRG album. And he probably sold a shitload of it off Killer. You'd be gutted if that was the next best song on there. Oh, wouldn't you? Mm. Oh my Shocking. God, right. uh, number six is Betty Boo's Where Are You Baby. Wonderful. Number five isn't on Spotify, which is annoying. Is KLF's What Time Is Love. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a great tune. Isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. KLF were huge this year, 1990. Yeah, KLF up then I rock. Yeah. They, they took the place over. 1991, really. Yeah. Um, with some just top quality singles. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, number three is Deacon Blue. Number, no, sorry, number four is Deacon Blue. Number three is Bomb Ballerina. Number two, though. Nice. Yeah. Do you like it? Exactly, mate. And this is brilliant. I remember when this came out, falling head over heels in love with the song. I still love this Incredible. song. Incredible. Incredible. Again, I've not heard anything like this, I don't think. Such a... It was the perfect combination of... A big break beat, a funky bass line, a pop vocal, everything favourite, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, LCD Sound System made a career out of that song. That's <laughs> very true. Uh, number one, though, and I'd forgotten how big this was. It's a re-release, obviously, but how massive this became. Some people call me the space oh, geez, Steve Miller band. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Which is on a jeans advert, wasn't it? I, I guess so. It was jeans or a tune gum or whatever. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was whatever. Yeah, remember, that, that was a fucking weird thing of the night. It's what it put a song on an on on advert, a big advert, and it would be a number one single. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was, it was always it was Levi's jeans. Yeah. Yeah, Wrigley's gum. And, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, when the first one uh, heard it through the grapevine was the, the big one that Levi's did. With uh, Nick Kamen in, in a. In, a in the, the laundrette. laundrette yeah mm. and yeah every, every single ad they did they put an old 60s or 70s song in it number one or top 10 anyway. was that the story of Stiltskin that's what we'll, we'll get to that won't we we'll, we'll we'll save that story we until we yeah okay so that's your top 10 other singles though right there's some quality stuff in this being released around this time this one okay you'll get this one probably straight away <laughs> This peaked at number 15 this week. Oh, I do know this. Oh, this is a black cat. Uh, Jan Jackson. Jan Jackson. Yeah, mate. Absolutely. This is a big old tune. Remember this well. Uh, were you as big, uh, I mean, uh, not as big a Janet fan as you were Michael Jackson, were you a Janet Jackson fan? Yeah, I was. Uh, I really, really, because that's a Rhythm Nation album, isn't it? Yes, I guess. Uh, yeah, I really like a Rhythm Nation yeah. record. Yeah, it's got Miss You Much on it. It's got, uh, well, it's got Rhythm, Rhythm Nation. Rhythm Nation. Yeah. Black Cat, yeah. Fair great, play. Great songs. Uh, another one. 
This was in the charts this week. You might recognise this from indie clubs. I love this song. Pop lead itself, Dance of the Mad Bastards. <laughs> That's a good name it's, for a song. This is one of my favourite poppy songs. And it is a killer riff that comes in here. I'm loving it. I remember I went to see one of the reformations of Poppy itself in, I don't know, let's say 2006, something like this, at uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire. Yeah. And they played loads of old stuff, all the good old stuff. Yeah. They hadn't played this one yet, and they left the stage. Right. And they didn't come out for ages. And me and my mates were looking at each other going, is that, is that it? Oh, fuck, they've not played Dance of the Mad. Huh. And they came back on, and the sample that comes before this on the album started up, and everyone went, Ape shit, nice. absolutely. It just as one, the entire place erupted. It was glorious, fucking glorious. Uh, another single came out, and we've talked a little bit about the album, but Sonic Youth's "Cool Thing" was in the charts this week. Fair enough, only at number eighty-one. I was going to say, it, was, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. No, it, it peaked at eighty-one, but this is a great song as well. And this is all from one with Chuck D. Is, uh, is rap in the middle of it. That's a wicked riff. That is a badass riff. And this is the album where I first really heard something song like that. Yeah, because it was that kind of dirty riff. It wasn't the weird art stuff they've been doing before that didn't really have a tune for me. This was just bam, here's a riff, here's a wicked drum beat. Nice. Uh, another one that came out, and this is what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> ACDC's Thunderstruck I'm glad we don't have drinks in our oh mouths right God. now can you imagine I mean, yeah, it's early you know it's what I mean? yeah, if, we, you, if, you, if you've never played the drinking game to Thunderstruck you have to stand up and take a drink every time they say thunder yeah it's it's lethal is what it is it's if you if you ever really want to get a party started <laughs> or finished I, yeah or, I mean literally over in minutes <laughs> Play this song three times in a row. But what song this is. This is amazing. And again, it's, I love the fact that this came out in 1990 and mm. still is among the best ACDC songs. Yeah, you know? without a doubt. This is top 10 ACDC songs for yeah. me. And it's nearly, what, 15, 20 years after their prime. Yeah. Another one. Fascinating. 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 Fascinating rhythm. Come on. Yeah, this is a great tune as well. This is a fucking tune. Let me see where this drops in the charts. This peaked at number nine. So decent. Deserve more. I, I would have said so, yeah. Yes. That's some quality stuff right there. I remember really enjoying that at the time. I had it on one of my now dance. 901 uh, albums yeah. which I think I still own somewhere and playing that over and over and over uh, there was a re-release of this but this is uh, it got to number 25 on re-release huge and it wouldn't have been till 1990 that I heard this song. oh yeah said that this was this was a top of the pop thing for me I heard this yeah. this was personal game changer this yeah. was one of those songs I, was like, I heard this I was like oh what this and this can exist together Yeah. oh I need this sure okay. I need this I need this as quickly as I can yeah Yeah. Uh, and indeed a mate of mine played it to me because he knew of Faith in the War already he was older 
into the band yeah. and I was blown away yeah I, I mean one of my favourite records to this day that's incredible it's flawless yeah. absolutely flawless so they go okay so that's what's happening singles wise okay well, back to George back to George let me go back, back to George <laughs> back to George Michael track 8 heal the pain okay I came to heal the pain Okay, so this one was the fourth single. Yeah, so the Pe- big, big percussions back. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, some bongos in the background. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the chorus at this point, if I'm honest. Yeah. Do you remember this at the time? Yeah. From the time? Time at all. I, I think I do. But it's one of those ones. I might just be. I might just have it in my head because I've heard it since then. And it sounds like a lot of other songs. Yeah. Maybe I'm misremembering. I think I remember a few times. Okay. So literally, this is about it's about waiting for someone to open up. He's yes. He's going. Okay, look, you've been hurt before. You're damaged, but I can be the person that you need me to be. Yeah, exactly. I can make you better. I mean, just, just a message I'd, I'd have here. It, look, George, just from experience, they might just be a prick. <laughs> That's very true. They might just be a prick. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes you're trying to save someone and they're just a prick. Mm. Maybe just cut your losses. Let's face it, from the other songs, this is the flip side. Maybe George Michael was the prick as well. I mean, that's possible as yeah. well. Because yeah. he, he's said on some of them, oh, I can't move on. Now he's saying, you need to move on. He's yeah. maybe talking to himself. Well, maybe that's the case as well. Yeah. I think this song in general, waiting for the chorus I wrote and I was waiting for the chorus the whole song. Right. This feels like less of a finished song to me and more of a jam. Really? I thought it was a bit okay. boring. I didn't like I this. I love this song. Oh, did you I really? I think this is gorgeous. Oh, see, I, I, I really didn't. Do. This was this was a thumbs down for me. I didn't, I see. didn't care for it. Uh, I think it's, it's. I think it's very simple, but I, th- I do think it's, I think it's a beautiful metal, melody. Oh, okay. Fair the enough, cor- right. chorus itself raises it up. But no, I think this is fantastic. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't, didn't connect with this one at all. Um, okay. And I knew, I knew it was a single, and I kept waiting to, and I was like, oh, okay, I don't, yeah. I just, I just don't get this one. Uh, there's a lot of talk uh, about it sounding like a Paul McCartney song, and I get that. I think it okay. definitely does. It sounds like kind of white album era Beatles McCartney songs, Blackbird, that sort of stuff. But I think it's a brilliant take on that sound. Yeah, see, for me, like the last track and then this one, this was the this was the kind of the fallow period of the record. I'd say, except for this one, this this to me is the the better bit of the latter half of this album. Fair enough. Mate. I think so. I will probably stick this on some playlists to listen to. Oh, okay. Well, I, 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 I mean, I'll, I'll go back and revisit. I found this one boring, if I'm honest. I, th- I think the the chorus is uplifting and lovely. Really, really nice. And it's very, very catchy. And the, he did a version of this with Paul McCartney as well. Oh, did uh, he? He did, yeah. It kind of closes that circle. He did it, on, and it's on the that three-disc set. Yeah. That, that version is on there. Okay. Fair enough, yeah. So it sounds like it could have been a McCartney song or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, well, Hill the it's a thumbs up from me, definitely. Thumbs down from you. Yeah, thumbs down from me. No problems. Let's move on to number nine, which is Soul Free. Yeah. Let's see how yeah, this one goes. <laughs> For fuck's sake, it's reggae. No, I, I know. Instantly, I was like, oh no. Why have oh, you done? Oh God. It's like, oh, this, is, this is about the time in that album they did it as well, isn't it? It is. It's, it's... <laughs> Why are people doing this? Honest to God. But then... Okay, 
So it's not straight up cobbler, okay? There's more going on. There's more going on, but it's still George Michael doing a reggae song. I think it loses some of the reggae flair, and he doesn't. The vocal he does is not a reggae vocal. No, no, it's not. Okay. No, he does a George Michael vocal over a reggae beat. So this is my journey with this song. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Now I've got a lot to say about this song. Oh, okay. So it started off, and I, I got the instant balls shriveling to your body from the reggae. <laughs> right? Sure. I don't. I don't want that. Right. I don't. And then the vocal comes in, and he, I mean, he's certainly not doing the voice. No, he's not, right? no, thank God. And, but it's not a reggae vocal at all. It's just George Michael doing a soul vocal sure. again, essentially, right? Yep. And I thought, okay, this is interesting, right? Uh-huh. And then the pipes come in, and I'm like, you're trying to fuck this up, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> it's like, you're going to me, how much fuckery can you take, right? Yeah. Right? And then he comes in with his high register vocal, and I don't particularly care for that high register vocal. Fair enough. But it chops along. And then it drops into this breakdown, mm-hmm. right? And now the breakdown is fucking gorgeous. Oh, you liked it, mate? I'm like, I'm listening to that, going, why has no one sampled this? Right. Right. There's this weird breakdown. It's it kind of got that weird percussive break with this ominous bass underneath it. I'm like, this is brilliant. It doesn't belong in the middle of this. So put that put that bit on. Right. So yeah, after like three minutes of the song, yeah, it goes into this sort of dub thing here right that's great yeah I've done anything for me that's a fucking that'd be a great hip hop tune Someone it would work I can imagine look at that bass that, 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 that big uh, ominous bass that sits yeah. underneath it Great, right? And then it just goes, like, it comes out of that and it just goes kick girl in the coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's not a good thing. No, it's not. Right. That's the thing. This feels like a load of really incongruous songs mm-hmm. like, put together in a mixing bowl and not stirred very well. Sure. I don't like the song, obviously. Sure. Right? But I really love that break that in the middle, bit. man. I'm like, what? I just want to know why no one sampled that, and just, like, someone could do such a. That's true. You know, like a kind of you know hear like a dilated people's track over that or something right. like that. Just, do you know what I mean? Just that kind. Of, some of those kind of low key downbeat voices. Just mm. oh, oh my god, it would just be amazing. Someone sample that and put a tune out. I didn't like it, and that bit didn't do anything for me. I must admit. So I, I think this is a very strange and out of place track that shouldn't have been on there mm, I, I, mean, I, I, I mean I don't condemn this as much as other reggae tracks I've heard I, I thought no. he tried something interesting with it and I, I don't fault this song for its ideas right I thought I thought it tried something I just don't think it got there but it, yeah I, but I don't like it no, no. If, if it's a straight up kind of a binary response it's, 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 a, a, it's, it's a no but okay. that bit in the middle and I love it okay. I really love it Maybe I can uh, nick it and we'll have it as a bed. Yeah, maybe. Just do all our stuff over that. All right, well, then, then we're on to the last one. Track number 10. Okay, which is Waiting a Reprise. So. Yes, yeah, indeed. So it's the previous song, Waiting for That Day, which yep. is the one which uh, had to be credited to Richards and Jagger. Mm-hmm. As a reprise of that. So we've got the same melody, yeah, but with some new lyrics on it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very simple, isn't it? We've got a very simple guitar, vocal and keys. That's all we've got here. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. It, it is stripped down. It's bare. 
And it's only two and a half minutes as a the final thing. It's about yeah. his, his parting thought, I guess. I mean, I think lyrically this is a perfect end to this. It's almost a summation of all of the key themes. It's mm-hmm. about the end of a relationship. It's about reinvention. There's a talk of, of pride um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and introspection throughout there, which are all the key things that come out of that. It's very hopeful. It's like you always said that there was re- another path for someone, so here it is. Yep. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm always a little bit dubious, like like we were with Prince last week and the mm-hmm. the like new power generation reprise. Oh yeah, right. I'm a bit dubious about that as a device, mm. but in this case, I thought it was. I thought it worked really well. I thought it was a, yeah. it was a really good, like kind of. And here's a summary of the record. Yeah. So yes, looking back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you say, the lyrically throughout the album, there's been a lot of stuff apart from the. The first two songs, which are a kind of a message song and about him wanting to be a new person musically. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff about relationships that didn't work. Pain of moving on, pain of not moving on, etc., etc. And so, yeah, the lyrics, I would not lie to you, you've hurt my pride, and I guess there is a road without you. It is, it's a moving on, it's a, a catharsis, it's him, you know, fucking butterflying as a new person yeah for sure and the, that, the other line I, I, do I have to look that up on Urban Dictionary <laughs> butterfly another lyric I like uh, well there's one year of my life in these songs and some of them are about you yes that's exactly. there you go that's what this album is that's great you know it's me pouring out everything I need to to say about my my past relationships and my, my well being and all this sort of yeah. stuff some of it is a bit hard to listen to but that's where I am, and now I can move on. Yeah. So that's the end of the record. Um, yes. What, what do you think to it overall? Overall, overall, I'm probably half and half on it, which, I'll be honest, I thought I was going to enjoy it more than I did. Yeah. I thought I was going to be, oh, fuck, I, I missed a gem. Mm. You know, I didn't listen to this at the time. I'd say half of them, I think, are fantastic. Half of them are a little bit dull for me. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much the same, to be honest with you. It's weird, Um because as as an entire album, there are bits and pieces that I really don't care for on mm-hmm. But I still kind of think it's a... If you said to me, is this a good or a bad album? Yeah. I'm going to say it's a good album. Yes, I would agree there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good album because for me, pretty much anything that doesn't work is a tried and failed. He's right? giving it a go. Rather than I didn't try at all, right? And mm-hmm. that's, that always gets more of a pass from me than... Oh, you just didn't give a fuck. But, you know, I, I feel that only about half of it works for me. In, yeah, in, I think that's fair. In, I mean, in real terms. But, it's all right. you know, the bits that work really, really work. Really, do, uh, yeah. You know, some of the some of the stuff is so well-crafted, so well put together, with such big hooks in it. Yeah. That they are just brilliant. And like I say, you know, the, a problem when you've got some really big stuff, it is difficult to live up to. You know, we had saw it with Sinead O'Connor, you know, you can't, Mm. You, nothing else on that record could really live up to nothing compared to, to you. Yeah, no, nothing compares. And, yeah, and literally in this case, nothing compares to yeah. you know freedom. Yeah, you know? and it it, it doesn't. Um, I enjoyed my time with this record. Sure. Yeah, uh, and there are a couple that I will go back to. Yeah, I'm kind of annoyed I didn't have more snark for it because it's 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 difficult to be like when when you kind of buy into someone, it's difficult to like really be an arsehole about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't give much of an opportunity because there's, there's not. Uh, some ridiculous I mean, fair enough I don't think he should have done the reggae number I think that's a mistake but it's not like he went jungle 
or no. he went uh, Gabba or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, for, he didn't. He didn't do something totally out of place where he didn't want to do it. He just thought it would sell. I mean, in nineteen ninety, would he have invented Gabba? When did Gabba? No. I mean, if if he had, I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> Man, I, I, I had a I had a good night dancing at Gabba once. <laughs> did you or did the drugs? Shush. <laughs> okay, well let's let's go for what songs to put on the playlist. Okay, uh, well Freedom ninety done straight away. Done. Of course, yeah. Uh, Pray for time. I'm saying instantly. Yeah, I absolutely. loved it. I absolutely loved it. So those two are the easiest thing I've okay, done so, so yeah okay so where, where do we do this where, where are you freedom and playing for time which one do you prefer I'll be honest with you I think I'll go I will revisit playing for time more oh, because wow. I've not heard it as much okay well that's interesting I mean I, for me there's a bigger gulf I think between yeah. those two but um, okay. I, I, it's one of those ones where I, I think freedom is a better song right but playing for time really just got me You'd be making the case for Heal the Pain, wouldn't you? I would, but you're not going to. So I, I'm totally fine with that. No problems at all. I'm not into it. Um, I mean, I think Waiting for That Day is a is a potential. Or maybe we just go with the two. I, uh, to be honest, I would probably stick with the two because nothing else I felt strongly needed to be on the playlist. Yeah, I mean, I would... As a representation. I mean, I'd almost make a case for the reggae song just, <laughs> just as a... Just as an oddity, but uh, no, all right, let's just keep it to two, I think. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. But, uh, do, we'll do, but do go and check out the reggae song, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, get soul free just for a laugh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, what we should do, actually, is we should do a compilation of out-of-place reggae songs. Oh, fuck me. And sax solos. Oh, my God, yeah, sax. <laughs> reggae and sax. Wow. Mate, it'll be the least listened to, uh, the, one oh. of the least listenable compilations on Yeah, Spotify. can you get negative listens on that? <laughs> <laughs> mind bleach listens <laughs> yeah. anyway guys thank you ever so much as always for joining us uh, as always please let us know your thoughts call us arseholes if you want to we're alright with it and uh, yeah we'll see wow. you again next week for our record which is is the charlatans debut some friendly some friendly by the charlatans wow I cannot wait for that one <laughs> I'm so looking forward to your reaction to that yeah uh, right, so we'll see you next week for that yeah take it easy guys bye Pop, Collaborate and Listen is produced in the loosest of terms and edited, if you can call it that, by us two amateurs, which is why it sounds like it does. If you do want to get in contact with us, and we would love you to, you can get us on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at pclpodcast, Instagram at pclpodcast, facebook.com slash pclpodcast, and you can find all of this info as well as links to our Spotify playlists and that sort of thing on our website, which is pclpodcast.com.